from the offices of Melman, Castagnetti, Rosen, and Thomas. Just footsteps from the White House, the heart of the nation's capital. This is 14th NG, the podcast sitting at the intersection of business and policy. Here's your host, C.R. Wooters. Welcome to 14th and G, a podcast sitting at the intersection of business and policy. We're back, baby. And this week, we talk to Bruce Melman, the boss man here around Melman Castagnetti, and Paul Gallant. Paul's the managing director at Cohen Washington Research Group. There's a whole bunch of antitrust uh, discussions happening around big tech, uh, in particular Google, Facebook, Apple, and Amazon. We'll get in the status update of that and see where we go from here. Okay, Bruce Melman and Paul Gallant. Okay, Bruce Melman, Paul Gallant, welcome to 14th and G. Thanks, Thanks for CR. Us. Okay, so we're primarily going to talk antitrust. Um, didn't we get on this road with Microsoft already? Um, aren't we basically doing the same playbook we had from the Microsoft days? That is the best precedent for, I think, what we're looking at with the big tech companies today is what did happen with the Microsoft antitrust lawsuit, does the government feel like that was a worthwhile endeavor 20 years ago? And if the answer to that is yes, then I think you should be a little worried if you're Amazon, Google, Apple, or Facebook. Yeah, you know, CR, isn't that question like, you know, isn't it just World War II? Aren't we just, you know, <laughs> repeating the Second World War? I'm like, that was a big deal. Um, I guess it's it's one of those things that I think um, people, I guess the reason I ask it first is I think people forget we've gone down this road before. We've gone down the road of having a tech company or tech companies that were seen as too big. So right IBM, now, AT&T. Sure, sure. Before we get to the 2019 stuff, um, what do you, what do you guys think? It, you know, Elizabeth Warren is screaming about tech is too big, and they and they needs to be broken up. She also screamed about banks being too big and need to be broken up. They weren't broken up. Um, you know, is she right? Just generally, is tech getting too big? You know, um, Google has underneath it what like fifty different companies. Um, you know, before we get to what is legally too big and what is legally, you know, uh, what's your guys' sense on 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 where some of these big giant companies are? I think in the zeitgeist right now, there is a sense that these companies are huge and powerful and they affect the economics of our economy and people's lives every day, and they need to be looked at hard. And I think that's why Wall Street had that sense for a while. And so a couple of weeks ago, when the FTC and DOJ more or less leaked that this is how we've divided up jurisdiction Mm -hmm. over Google, Apple, Amazon, and Facebook, uh, Wall Street's like, yeah, I kind of felt that coming. And this is the one part of Washington, the antitrust laws, that could ultimately have a pretty meaningful effect on these guys, more than privacy, more than platform regulation. And why do you say that? Well, because it involves divesting assets, potentially. It's not just saying that you can't do business a certain way, you've got to share your information with a competitor or something. It's actually, you've got to chop off this part of the business the way that the government almost did 20 years ago with Microsoft. What do you mean by too big? If we mean valuation, well, okay, a couple have gone north of a trillion. Currently, the most valuable company in the world is our buddy Microsoft, and they're the one big tech company people aren't talking about having antitrust problems. You could talk about too big being market share, but uh, it's it, it or employees. One of the things we know about employees is it takes fewer employees to reach a billion dollars market cap today than it almost ever has in history, because so much of their valuation is IP. Um, the, the question, and Paul writes about this a lot uh, for uh, for Cowan Research, the question really comes down to is are they in a position where they can block competitors 
from uh, f following and from innovating. You know, and and while Microsoft ultimately wasn't broken up, one of the reasons they went after them was the sense that their uh, their ability to leverage their massive monopoly on the operating system meant that the Netscapes and the other very innovative companies that in theory could have knocked them off the uh, off their leadership were being starved. And what we're really talking about now is data, right? I mean, there's no there's no there's no there's no way to start from scratch and have the data that that Facebook has or Google has. It's just impossible, right? I mean, it feels like that's the kind of thing they have such a running start there. In some ways, they may be getting punished for having such a running start, um, um, but I assume that at the end of the day, that's what we're really talking about. Well, that's a big part of it, uh, but I would also say I think that DOJ is trying to send a signal to, I think, Wall Street and to Washington that it's not just about price. It's not just about companies raising prices for consumers because Google and Facebook are free. Amazon, if anything, through their own products, probably lowers prices for consumers. But but Macon Del Rahim, the head of DOJ Antitrust, has been very active publicly as recently as last week in saying it's not just about price. We will go after big companies if they're blocking entry into the market because we care a lot about innovation and the ability of new companies to come in and we care a lot about product quality and we care about privacy and if you have a dominant company in any one of these verticals you don't get the same level of innovation or competition and that's I think that's the education that Macon Delrahim is trying to do for Washington and Wall Street and it, it definitely gets on Wall Street's radar yeah, I, I, you know. So here's a question, and maybe it's a simple question, but FTC has claimed jurisdiction over Facebook and Amazon, from my understanding, and the DOJ is doing Apple and Google. Why? why how they split them up? Like it that? sounds like the uh, when the mafia five families divided the boroughs <laughs> yes, exactly. of New York City. That's exactly what it is. But I, why, is there any particular rhyme or reason for why they're split up that way? It was definitely odd that Google ended up with DOJ because the Federal Trade Commission, for probably almost ten years, has been looking at. Google. And suddenly, the first news story that kind of set this thing in motion two weeks ago was that the DOJ had jurisdiction over Google. So you go, what happened there? I think the clearest read is that one of the two agencies wanted to investigate Google. And that became a discussion point. DOJ ended up with Google. And then they decided, you know what, let's just split all four of them up for both resource reasons. And mm -hmm. I think the one policy reason you possibly could point to to say, why did DOJ get both Google and Apple is the App Store. One of the things I'm pretty Google sure- Google has one too, is that Google, the idea? Google has Play yeah. and Apple has the App Store. And there have been arguments that those app stores are bottlenecks that those companies use to give their own services, their own apps, a competitive advantage. And it does make you wonder if that was actually a policy reason why DOJ said, we want these two and not just sure. two random ones. Well, I think Macon also got a, a company to be named later in the naming rights to a yeah. conference room at the FTC. <laughs> it does sound a little bit like some NFL drafting or something. Um, and is there any difference between what can be prosecuted through DOJ or FTC? So if I'm Facebook, am I excited that I'm not a DOJ. I mean, I'm asking a simple question, but I don't know the answer to 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 does it make a difference or if if either one rules, am I kind of screwed? Yeah, there's there's been a, a ton of interest on Wall Street in this question of would I rather be at one agency than the other? And the best answer I can give you is I think that DOJ historically has been more aggressive on antitrust, and they have a bigger staff generally than the FTC. But the FTC actually has a bit more power under their statute, and they have more procedural power to tie companies up in antitrust investigations longer than DOJ does for reasons you don't really want to know. <laughs> yes. Although that is interesting, actually, Paul. I mean, to what you just said, it was counterintuitive for me. Because when you think of the famous cases, whether it's back to Standard Oil forever ago, 
or AT&T or IBM or Microsoft. It was always DOJ was the tiger on their tail. Well, one of the unhelpful dynamics, I think, for the big four tech companies is that now both agencies have jurisdiction over two of them. And I, I would be a little bit concerned for these companies that there's going to be a rivalry between DOJ and the FTC to show who's tougher on tech. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a, a, an argument that the government has not been active enough in looking at these companies, and neither agency wants to look like the one that doesn't get it, or they're not serious about protecting consumers. And that's, so it's not a helpful dynamic, I think, to have this thing split up this way. Which is interesting. Senator Lee came out pretty strongly. I don't know if I read this in your piece or elsewhere, but suggesting that the division was a mistake, you know, that it will lead to inconsistency and it will lead to uncertainty in the marketplace. And there ought to be, in his mind, one antitrust enforcer instead of a uh, take your pick. We don't know who and we don't know which standards they're going to apply and whether those standards will also be applied at the other. This is actually a three-front war, though, right? Because um, at least House Judiciary, Judiciary, easy for me to say, um, has said they want to have some interest. They have some interest in, in taking a look at tech as well. My guess is they're probably not the only folks on the Hill that will take a look at this. You know, uh, these companies are on fire in three different places. You know, I assume... Is your three House, Senate, and agencies? Or the two agencies and the Hill is kind of how I'm thinking about it. Because Europe is your fourth ring in this crazy circus, right. and that's the fire ring. Yeah, so talk to me about Europe and talk to me about how the Hill plays into this. Yeah, so I think Europe kind of got the ball started on big tech antitrust uh, years ago with Google. I've been covering yep. the Google antitrust stuff in Europe for quite a while. And as you saw uh, a couple of years ago, Europeans were the first ones to hit Google with a serious antitrust ruling involving search bias. Sure. The second European ruling came out last summer on the issue of Google pe- being too dominant over OEMs, equipment manufacturers yep. in Europe. So there's, a, there's sort of a penalty there. And Europe has gotten the ball rolling on big tech. but. Uh, What I think is also true, I don't think big tech has a ton to worry about in Europe because I think there's kind of a political limit to how far Europe can go in hitting major U.S. companies. That, in fact, I think Macon Delrahim, DOJ guy, has sort of implied to foreign regulators, these are our companies, so we respect your antitrust laws, but it's going to be our call in the end whether to do anything serious against them. That makes sense. Um, I do think it's funny that these companies are either global or U.S.-based, depending on <laughs> what makes most sense for them and what makes the most sense for, for, for oversight. I actually, CR, one question I had for Paul or you, but particularly given Paul's expertise, uh, what's interesting is that you mentioned the House. Historically, when you when you and I were working either to support a merger mm-hmm. or to try to oppose a merger, the Senate was always the much more aggressive and, and, and engaged, it felt like, antitrust subcommittee sure. of a judiciary committee. Uh, and Cicilline, who hired the, the uh, you know, God's gift, the woman of Khan, uh, what was it, Lena Khan? Uh, who's a, a young woman from Yale who wrote mm-hmm. what some teasingly call hipster antitrust, but wrote a really impressive uh, law review article, the, the the case for the antitrust case against Amazon, mm-hmm. um, the House has emerged as a force in a way that maybe you know when they last were this dominant or this present, is a better word, uh, in antitrust, but it's a big deal. It's really important. That's one of the things we tell investors is that if you look at the political architecture of the Microsoft antitrust case 20 years ago, it involved the Senate Judiciary Committee providing really important congressional cover 
yeah. the DOJ to go after Microsoft. In public. S- Senate Antitrust, or Senate Judiciary, was led by Orrin Hatch, and he's the one who held hearings. He did his own investigation of Microsoft, and yeah. he gave cover to DOJ to do what they did. Macon was it, working for him at the time. That's right. This really all connects. That's absolutely right. And now, I think you've got Cicilline in the House playing the role of Orrin Hatch, putting pressure on these agencies to do something against big tech and providing them cover, right? Even though DOJ and the FTC have their own legal authority to do whatever they want on big tech, there's a political component to this. These are American champion companies, and I don't think you go after them lightly. I think you want to know that somebody in Congress has your back. And I think that's, this time around, that's Cicilline. The other thing is, it seems to me, and, and, and you guys know this better than I do, but if you're, if you're mounting any campaign nowadays, they are public whether you want them to be or not. So having an actual public discussion on the Hill about this stuff probably can only help. I mean, it helps to your point of give cover, but I think, you know, we've seen it if you go to the Mueller report, like things on paper and things behind closed doors don't seem to really educate folks, um, whereas public discussions bringing every time Zuckerberg gets brought up to the Hill or, you know, fill in the blank CEO, that shines a particular light on this whole situation. Yeah, and not only does it shine a light, uh, I think a really important dynamic back in Microsoft time, I mean, the whole reason that this became an issue to Senate Judiciary Committee was because the folks, the smaller players who, were, who felt like they were getting squashed spoke up and they came to town and they got heard. Dave McCabe of Axios over the last couple of days, maybe even today, I thought wrote a terrific piece pointing out how many companies that feel uh, abused or treated unfairly by Google, by Amazon, and by um, a little bit less so by Facebook, perhaps, uh, by some by Apple, are, are speaking up. And, and nobody more vociferously than Luther over at Yelp, uh, who, have been, uh, who have been complaining for a while now that uh, you don't have to go on Yelp to get Yelp ratings because they get scraped by Google and made easily available by Google, which undermines Yelp's business model. There are a lot more players who are showing up talking to Cicilline, talking to Macon, talking to Simons, and talking to others about feeling like they're being treated unfairly by these market-dominant players. I also think what's really interesting is that Apple, at least their CEO, has has kind of come out swinging recently to try to separate himself from everybody else, and he's tisk-tisking everybody in, in Silicon Valley. I gotta believe that plays into he's doing his own politics there, which is like, hey man, it's not us, it's them. You know, they're a different breed of of, of problem. We're not, you know, we're not the same. He's 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 particular on privacy, but I think it plays to this whole other thing. Don't lump us in with everybody else. Well, I agree. He's totally opportunistic, which is fine and appropriate. And I think he mm-hmm. seems like a. a uh, uh, high character, substantive, substantial person, but he's also selling iPhones. Because mm-hmm. the other operating system is Google, which as we know, even if you take out the SIM card and turn it off for a week, when it wakes back up, it points out everything you did over the week you thought it was in a shoebox <laughs> right. buried in your backyard. Uh, it's, it's, it is a brilliant advertising campaign, but I don't think we should pretend it's anything other than product differentiation in a marketplace. So you think it's product differentiation, not defense Privacy, on some of this? Totally. Stuff. Yeah. More broadly, I do think there's a desire of, uh, in tech, nobody wants to be Facebook right now. Right. Other than they seem to be a bit of a profit machine. But mm-hmm. take that aside, you know, you can't swing a dead cat without running into somebody who's upset about them for something. Right. All right. So, uh, Paul, why have you here? I want to run through some some specifics. So, Amazon. Uh, we'll run through these in- individually. What's their biggest kind of tender point? It feels to me. Uh, and I'm going to make some guesses, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. It feels to me they got a, the the AWS versus the retail thing is a problem. Um, is that the biggest problem they have, or not? 
I'm not sure. No, I think that's a natural thing when people on the outside think about what's the worst thing that could happen to Amazon and maybe it would be to split off. The government splits off AWS from the retail business. But antitrust law is designed to solve a problem. And the problem is not that Amazon owns AWS. The problem, if you think it is a problem, is that they own a platform, which is e-commerce. Sure. And they also compete on that platform against third parties. Mm -hmm. And that's really the common thread of most of these big tech companies. Apple has a platform. It's the mm -hmm. App Store. Google has multiple platforms. It's sure. Search. It's their Play Store. And it's DoubleClick, the advertising and publishing arm. Sure. So they have all these platforms, and they compete on them against third parties. And the argument really consistently from other competitors is you're abusing your control as the platform owner to give your so player, if, yeah. your player a, a competitive uh, advantage. Elizabeth Warren's been on this again. I keep right. bringing her up because she's been leaning so forward into this. And, and I don't know, I'm not making any judgments on where she is on right or wrong, but she's been hammering that point home, which is basically like you own the marketplace and you're selling your own trinkets. You, of course, you're going to rank your trinkets higher than everybody else's trinkets kind of thing. Okay. And, and so, by the way, CR, some of the reported behavior on Amazon was not only are they competing against retailers who feel like they need to be on their platform, but in real time, they're seeing what those third-party retailers are selling, how much they're selling it for, and they're able to offer their own products in competition with the third-party retailers who are paying to be on their platform at potentially lower prices, uh, which they can see real time so they can always adjust and front run them, and is found in a, a higher ranking in the searching. That right. seems like the kind of thing that would be harder to defend. Um, okay, next one, Facebook. Again, a lot of people are, again, this is, you know, 30,000 feet here. It seems like WhatsApp and Facebook are too much. Um, is that is that their biggest vulnerability or is it is it just kind of overwhelming market share and data? Well, I think Facebook of the big four tech companies in some ways has the least obvious antitrust exposure. I think, I think the the, the challenge for Other Facebook. Than everyone just hates them, well, is that the deal? <laughs> well, I think, I think they, have the, they, they come out lowest in those public opinion polls of the big four tech companies, so yeah. that is part of the challenge for them. The other part is that it's not hard to imagine an antitrust remedy. It's called break up Facebook and Instagram. And I'm, I'm not saying that's right, but I'm saying when, you, when you're an antitrust regulator and you're thinking about doing something, you want to have an end game in mind. Sure. And that is very understandable by the public, by members of Congress. Yeah. And on the face of it, it would create more competition among platforms. And so, so your point is I, to... Is to Instagram, not WhatsApp. Oh, sorry, to Instagram. Yeah, more yeah. more so. I mean, WhatsApp would fit the same thing I'm saying, but I think the the one that intuitively feels sensible to people at the surface level is break up Facebook from Instagram, and you'll solve both a competitive problem and maybe some of the privacy problems. That mm. interesting. Well, and Paul, at least by reports, isn't that why Zuckerberg bought Instagram in the first place? Is he smelled a potential competitor, so better to have them inside than than competing? That's it. Yeah, there was a New York Post report uh, six months ago that said that there was a document floating around inside the FTC that they had from when they reviewed the Facebook Instagram transaction mm -hmm. and supposedly it said Zuckerberg was buying Instagram because he saw it as a competitor to sure. Facebook. Sure. Um, okay, Google. I mean, we got, could go anywhere here, right? I just feel like Google owns everything, right? They own everything from driving cars to, you know, whatever else. You have continued to mention the, the, the Play Portal and others. Do you think that's their biggest vulnerability, or do you feel like they're, you know, in the world of too big? They feel like to me they're just generally too big. <laughs> they own everything. There's a lot, right? There's a lot of moving parts. You're right for Google. I think they have more points of exposure on antitrust inquiries than any other mm -hmm. company. Um, just to run through them really quickly, there is the issue of search bias. 
the issue of Android dominance, where they yep. can say to OEMs, put our stuff preloaded on the phones. That yep. gives them an advantage. That reminds uh, me a lot of the Microsoft stuff, by the way. Right? Yeah, precisely. I mean, there, there's some pretty tight analogies to mm -hmm. Microsoft, yes. Um, third thing is double-click, like I mentioned before. Last thing is the Play Store and possibly Google giving their own apps an advantage because they charge Spotify 30% to be in there, but they don't charge, you know. There's, yes, sure. So there's that issue. Um, I think the challenge for DOJ, and part of the thought process at DOJ and the FTC right now, I think, is there's a lot of running room here in these companies for us to investigate what is doable in the next 15 months, right? Sure. I mean, we're only 17 months from the election, and I think that these two regulators have to decide not just where should we focus, but what can we get done in the next 15, 17 months? And again, one of my concerns, having mentioned it before about the two Play Stores, the Play yep. and, and the App Store, yep. is that... Uh, those might be the kind of bite-sized things that DOJ can look at and understand and think we might be able to do this in 15 months. Interesting. Um, okay, last one. You just mentioned it, Apple. Um, I assume it's the stores and their and their, and their apps, their preloaded apps and all the rest of that stuff. Um, anything else in the Apple thing? That's no, really, I think really that's tender? it. It's really not. That's exactly it. And it's not really a secret. Spotify filed a complaint against yep. uh, Apple in Europe mm -hmm. saying it's, they have, it's an unfair playing field. We can't compete evenly because Apple charges us 30%. What about the taking a step back? And this is kind of where I started, right? Like, um, aren't these companies just too much in our daily lives, right? Like, so most of them now, Amazon, well, actually all four of them have some piece of equipment that you can have in your house listening to, you You know, um, Facebook has their new, new-ish kind of um, screen thing where you, that you talk to. You've got Amazon has has their um, Echo. And, you know, obviously the two phone companies have phones. It really does, my whole life is, you know, Jeff Bezos, how much does he really need to know about me, right? You know, I, 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 isn't there like a, to your point on bite size, isn't there just like a warning that shot that the government should give these guys that just is like, hey man, like enough. Like we get it, you own everything, just just mellow out. Um, and maybe that's too high level, but it feels to me like Elizabeth Warren and Trump and a whole bunch of other people could agree like there's too many claws here. Does that seem reasonable or no? I mean, there's different ways. It does seem reasonable to me, and there's different ways that Washington get at, can get at that. There's antitrust, and then there's privacy. Um, I mean, but the challenge for privacy, we haven't talked about that, and I won't, that's a can of worms. There's yeah. a lot of fronts in that war. Sure. But the, the challenge in privacy is I, I have a feeling that people tell pollsters one thing when the question is, do you want the government to increase your privacy online? The mm -hmm. answer is always yes, uh, but, the, but the reality is people will trade away their privacy for 50 cents off a cup of coffee. Sure. Right? So they don't right, necessarily. Right. Really walk the walk. Is offering I, that? Yeah. <laughs> Bruce is a heavy Starbucks uh, app user. Um, no, it's it's an interesting thing. And also, you know, we're now in a world where I, at least, it, you know, when you study history, antitrust, and we're dealing with things, right? People could touch steel, oil, that kind of stuff, right? Now this is your data, your privacy. How do you rank it? Who owns more of it? How much is too much of it to own? Um, you know, that feels funky. All right, so I'm going to go to each to both of you. Um, I'm going to ask you to predict who's in the biggest hole, Bruce. If you had to be one of these four companies, Apple, Google, Facebook, and Amazon, who do you think is in the tightest crosshairs? Well, I guess it depends because, as uh, as Paul was mentioning, there are different crosshairs. Mm -hmm. You know, antitrust, Facebook may be in the safest of the four, mm -hmm. but it feels like there are more people on the left and the right 
in uh, running for office and serving in, in regulatory roles who want to put a bullet in them than anybody else. So I would least want to be them right now from a from a government perspective because so many people are after them for so many behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, Google feels to me that they probably got the biggest antitrust risk because it's not a risk, it's risks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think Amazon is 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 uh, is predatory in a lot of ways. One of the things that hasn't been written about a lot, maybe Paul will be the first to write about it, but how AWS every year expands the offerings, the the, the baked-in basic offerings, and that sure. has, in my mind, it's reminiscent of Microsoft, where you know Microsoft didn't have a browser, and then they realized we needed a browser, so they created IE, which was crappy back then, but they made it really hard for Netscape to get error. Now the difference is uh, AWS has what 50% of the cloud, but is you know there are meaningful competitors, even if they're dominant number one, mm-hmm. whereas it was 98% of operating system was Microsoft on the PC, and so that you know you can't get away with 98%. Whether you can get away with 50% remains to be seen. Uh, and then Apple, you know, part of it is I like my phone, mm-hmm. uh, so maybe I'm unfairly part, uh, partial. There is an irony that they are complaining about Qualcomm and doing the exact same thing when it comes to the App Store. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I think they're they're not going to win with Qualcomm, and, and maybe that means it's helpful for them. And the uh, and they're playing it smarter too. To your point earlier, uh, they're trying to wrap themselves in, in the cloak of virtue, particularly when it comes to things like privacy, sure. when it comes to the fact that they're not a platform uh, that allows anybody to put anything. They are they, they screen what is available on the App Store, for example, and uh, it's uh, it's not a, a self-provisioning place. It's interesting to me, uh, and I'm going to go to you on this one, Paul, but the Apple stuff feels to me like they could more, I don't know their financials, you know them better than I do, but it feels to me like if they go down this road and have to shut down the App Store or, or open it up in a different way, and a few of those other things come down that like their business won't, their life won't change as much as some of the rest of these folks. It feels like a hit they could potentially take. Just a lower cut, I would imagine, right? Well, that that's actually this is a big story on Wall Street because for years you buy Apple stock because they're selling more more phones and more expensive phones. Sure. And now the the bull case on Apple is that they're gonna, they're turning into a services company. I mean, this is what they're telling Wall Street they want us to focus on is that we're going to sell more services and a piece of the services story is the revenue from the App Store. Okay, so maybe so, I'm yes, that's wrong. Barking yeah, yeah. up the right tree that if the government were to say you've got to allow apps another way to get on a phone besides mm-hmm. the app store, which is where they take their cut, that's that could be a problem uh, for us. Interesting, Apple. interesting. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the hot seat too. What do you, who, you know? Let's run through these four. Who do you think is the most uh, kind of vulnerable? I think Google because they've got the most exposure points. Uh, I won't run through them again, but mm-hmm. I do think Google. The, the regulators can just too much stuff to shoot they, at. Yeah, I think I could easily see a multi-year investigation where they do one thing after a year or two, and more stuff that's more complicated down the road. Um, just to pick out a couple things. One, as I said, is the Play Store and the idea that you know, again, regulators thinking about what's the easy public story to tell. If I were to say to Google and to Apple, you guys have to be more flexible in how people put apps on their phones. Mm-hmm. Is people pay less for Spotify. I mean, that's a kind of pretty understandable message from the government. Um, The second thing that I think is going to get traction for sure with Google is the news publishers have made a pretty big case that they're being uh, overcharged and underpaid, and Mm -hmm. that Google and Facebook in particular, because of their dominance, sort of take advertising revenue away from Google and Facebook. And you've seen Cicilline already hold his very first antitrust hearing on this issue. Mm-hmm. Look, every member of Congress wants to be supportive of their local newspaper. So I think the politics of the publisher issue, which I think is kind of a, sure. you know, so I think there's politics too, and I think there's, you know, there might be a substantive problem with Google. So both of you went with Google as if you, if you, if you had to put a gun to it. I, 
you are the experts. I'm only a political guy. I think Amazon's got a bigger problem. And I think Amazon's got a bigger problem because he lives in the White House. And he cannot stand those guys. And they uh, they just got the huge um, defense contract for the cloud in uh, at, at, at the Pentagon. Um, their exposure government-wide is so much bigger than everybody else's, uh, although my guess is Google's probably close, but so much bigger than everyone else's. They got more places to squeeze. I would not want to be Amazon. But DOJ antitrust doesn't... Oh, never mind. <laughs> of course, that, that's the challenge, though, CR, is, is can the president really get an independent agency, even though he nominates the head of the FTC, can he really get him, if he just wants to, to bring a case against Amazon? That's very unclear. Presidents have tried historically, and sometimes they succeed, and sometimes they don't. And How else do you possibly explain Macon when he was citizen Macon, saying the AT and T uh, acquisition was no pro- of Time Warner was no problem, and then when he was DOJ Macon, saying I think there's a problem. Yeah, a good good question, and I would say is Joe Simon's Macon. Yeah. We don't know. He, he he really keeps his cards close to the vest. Macon is very public, I think, in, in a lot of good ways in the sense of telling the world what he thinks, for better or sure. worse, whether you like it or not. And I think the FTC is much more close to the vest. And I don't know if Joe Simons would be willing to play that same role. I just wonder. I mean, I think I would point my finger toward the Fed and say they're supposed to be independent, too. And are they not getting beat around by the president? Although the interesting, not to jump to the Fed, but the interesting thing about the Fed is the commentary right now that the single likeliest reason for them not to lower rates next month is to make sure the markets understand they think they're, that they're independent of the president. So weirdly, the president trying to squeeze them may have the reverse effect of having them force the demonstration of independence. Sure. I, I only bring them up just because, like, you know, I think the world thinks they're the most independent, you know. Um, okay, last question before I let you guys go. Um, coming down the road, both of you study tech. What's the thing that's coming down the road uh, from regulation or from the Hill that nobody's really looking at right now? Bruce, I'll go to you. Boy, you had me until you nobody's really looking at. I or think the, you could you pick well, things yeah. that people so are looking at. The, the hardest thing is Section 230, content mm. liability, because privacy and antitrust aren't that hard. They can be really painful for folks, sure, but they're not that complicated. Whereas right now, Republicans are telling the platforms uh, you're censoring too much, and Democrats mm-hmm. are telling the platforms you're not censoring enough. I'm not sure what the middle ground is there. And, and so deciding what they should and shouldn't be liable for, and should they just start deciding that uh, those who get to speak are, you know, you pick. Mm-hmm. I recall at law school, First Amendment uh, jurisprudence is among the most uh, difficult, challenging, prickly that there is. In terms of what people are looking for, uh, maybe I'd say encryption, only because it's always a incident away from turning back to mm-hmm. a nuclear challenge. Uh, and uh, the last time the discussion happened, I think tech was playing a stronger hand broadly, mm-hmm. with tech having uh, being uh, on, on the run in, in more areas. Uh, and the, Donald Trump now as the president of the United States, it's not obvious to me that uh, that if we got into a situation of immense pressure, uh, the uh, the the um, uh, quote unquote no back door position would hold. Or what do you got for me, Paul? And so picking up on Bruce's point that maybe one of the underappreciated risks here is the government going after the platform immunity law, mm-hmm. I would say I think Congress is not capable of changing that law anytime soon, but one of the underappreciated risks is that the states might try. Oh, sure. State attorney generals, like for example, uh, the state AG in Texas indicated last week at a public forum that he believes that when companies hold themselves out to be politically neutral and then they're not, they have violated their their 
their deal with consumers. Sure. And that, that is actionable under under uh, consumer Broad. protection law. Yeah. And I could in this, this sort of the same way that we're having a privacy discussion in Washington because California passed a privacy law. It only takes one state or a couple of states to say, look, you guys, Facebook or Google, violating the political neutrality statements you've made publicly, mm-hmm. and that violates state law. No, I, I think that's really interesting, and, and I was actually going to go there as well. I think actions in the state, normally uh, I think the federal government can can drive a lot of action. It feels like actions from the states are now really driving everything from cosmetics legislation to to privacy legislation to, to you know, um, go fracking. back to cars, fracking, the rest of that stuff. And the federal government is just hustling to try to catch up. And I think you might see some early signs in places, um, you know, with younger um, attorneys general and governors who really want to make a name for themselves. Um, Gavin Newsom being <laughs> probably top of the list. Um, okay, fellas, thanks for coming into 14TG. We really appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. CR. It's always good to talk to Bruce and Paul. Paul's a smart guy. If you're looking for me, my email address is wooters at mc-tc.com. And until next time, we'll be right here at 14th and G.